Hello, welcome to the Scottish Indie Podcast. Tonight, I'm delighted to welcome along Ewan from the band Pizza Crunch. How are you going, mate? I am all good, mate. It always embarrasses me someone saying that name, though. That uh, band's name. <laughs> um, we'll, get, we'll get right into that with the first question. <laughs> uh, how did that come about? Literally, uh, we were... We were sort of practicing as a free piece for a bit and then we managed to get draft some bassist in who didn't end up lasting very long. But um and I just booked us a gig because we were like we, we weren't really practicing properly, we we're just going and having a piss around. And I was like, if I book us a gig, we'll be forced to actually learn some songs. And and then we sort of just had to come up with a name last minute as well. And Nathan suggested that and we stupidly agreed. Uh I mean it was on some on some curb in the south side after a few beers, but it sticks now and people don't forget it anyway, so. That's it. Does it, does it put you off Pizza Crunch? Are, are you still a big fan of them as well? I've, I've actually never even been a fan of them. Um, I think, I don't know, what, I think we were trying to do something not too serious and uh, something with some sort of Glasgow link. But to be honest, like, it does, it sounds horrendous, but I'm trying to think of any other name that I would choose that would be better. And I really struggle, so it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. No, it's, it's, it's instantly recognisable and, it's a, a yeah. Scottish treasure as well. So there exactly, we go. Exactly. So for those that haven't heard the band, how would you describe your sound? And can you give me a, a wee bit of background to the history of the band? Yeah, so in, in terms of history, um, I met Nico, who's the drummer, and Nathan, who's a guitarist at uni. Um, my family did the same course as them. And then we like we sort of pissed around a bit throughout uni, played in another band that was quite bad. Um and then we, I met, I met Craig, who's from Inverness. That's where I'm from originally. Uh, so like my girlfriend's brother knows him, and ended up drafting him in to play the bass. And then yeah, so sort of all got started actually being a proper band just before COVID all kicked off. And in terms of sound, um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, like kind of the run of the mill kind of indie sort of mixture with some pop, pop, uh, not pop, uh, post punk stuff as well. We'll try to like maybe veer away from that and do something a bit different, but um, I think sort of most bands start off with that kind of bread and butter uh, four piece stuff, um, and that's kind of what our songs so far have been like. It's quite a difficult one when you're kind of probed and asked to compare yourself to other bands, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I I don't mind the question because it is a useful question, um, but I think just because I'm kind of hoping that next year when we release our, our new stuff, it's uh. It's going to be less easy to describe uh, as just indie, you know, indie stuff. So, um, you know, like if, if when you're releasing stuff, it's always kind of a backlog. Like you're always releasing stuff that you've written seven months ago or something. So it can be frustrating sometimes. You've been busy. You mentioned the fact that you were just kind of getting going prior to the, the first yeah. lockdown. But you've continued to release new music throughout the last 18 months and the yeah. The new single "Motivational Substances" is, is out just now. How have yeah. you found the reaction to that? Yeah, um, it's been good. Uh, like the the single thing can be weird because you're constantly just putting all this effort behind one song, uh, and it sort of changes from each single to the next in terms of style. It's been good. I was I was really happy with like the lyrics in this one, um, and the last three songs, to be honest, have been like we were all really happy with. Um, we were we sort of just kind of done what we want with these ones and didn't take much advice and they've turned out quite nice. But yeah, these last three songs we're all, we're all very happy with. How's the, how's the writing process been for, for these songs? Obviously, there must have been times where the band were 
were yeah. isolated from one another. Is it is it a group effort or is it something that, that you take? Yeah, it kind of it kind of changes a bit each time. So like I do, I'll do the lyrics like for every song, and then in terms of the music, it kind of varies. Like the first couple of songs we released, uh, well, the first couple of songs we used to play at the gigs, you know, before lockdown, it was kind of like either Nathan would write the music or I'd write the music. So, um, but now it's kind of evolved a bit. So like the Selexa riff, uh, Craig wrote like that kind of like the main riff throughout the verses and then I wrote everything around it and then Fried Intellectuals Nathan uh, kind of wrote all the music and I put the words over the top and then we've got some we'll have someone's coming out next year where it was kind of like Nathan came with the the bones of a song and then we kind of wrote the chorus together or whatever it can uh, so it's starting to vary quite a lot which is good having different input from from all three three of us It's quite an interesting one there's a few bands that I've spoken to that said that they actually found the lockdown a a kind of period of inspiration where they were able to yeah. get quite a lot of things committed, whether that be writing the songs and then recording them later on or or yeah. using home recording studios to to get some stuff yeah. done. It seems to be the same for you guys. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um so I was I was coming down like I was I'm starting like a postgrad like a master's course in September and I came down back to down to Glasgow from Burness in February. Uh, I was like ready to start like uh, just like a job that I was going to hate for for six months or whatever, and then everything kind of kicked off, and I just sort of had this like blissful period for six months where I was like had a little home studio and was just pissing around on the the piano and the guitar every day and writing songs and um, uh, yeah, it really it really helped us. Like it was obviously a grim time at, at points, but um, we were writing like I'm trying like in terms of, like fully fledged songs, it was like well over fifty that were written. And, and obviously some of them were shite, but um, the more and more you do that, the better you get. And and like the proof's in the pudding in terms of how much better our music's gone, I think. And, uh, like Selexa was written really early on in the lockdown as well. And there's these songs that are that are coming out that might not have you know, never existed if, if it wasn't for this sort of world going a bit mad. It's a funny one to look back on because I'd, I think that I, I maybe have a more romanticised notion of it now, looking yeah. back. But there, there was bits of that time that, that was actually quite good. <laughs> so, it was like it was like a bit of a, a bit a bit of a holiday, wasn't it? Um, like it's obviously it gets a bit boring the being like homebound thing. But like I mind the first few weeks, uh, I was just like I was like cause I love my girlfriend, and we'd just sit and we'd have a few beers most nights. Like watch it, like watch about six films a day, and then I would just write constantly and and sort of get a grasp on how to actually record stuff. And and then we sort of it really helped because the like so twelve month season of depression was recorded all in our like all in my flat. And we just sent it to get mixed. And now, like other parts of songs, like the chorus of Coleman Juice and Gibberish, the vocals were all recorded in my flat. And some of the songs we're going to release next year are going to record in my flat. And I do wonder, like, you know, if, if everything hadn't kicked off, if I'd ever even have learned to do that. Um, and I probably I probably wouldn't have. I probably thought, like, you need a studio uh, when you don't really in some parts. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I suppose that kind of applies to, to quite a few things in, in terms yeah. of, I think even now that the pace of life, kind of moving away from the, the music thing like in terms of just now I still work from home uh, whereas I wouldn't have dreamed yeah. of, of working from home full time prior to the yeah. pandemic and it, it maybe gives you that, that wee bit of leeway to do more of your own stuff and, and kind of uh, that's that's kind of how the this podcast started and things like that you kind of have ideas but you can maybe have more time to to run with it and yeah, actually course, look yeah. into to going ahead and doing things whereas yeah I had plenty of ideas before 
COVID is like when you take out when you take out travel and all that to work and stuff, it does open uh, a lot more time more than you'd think. Yeah, it certainly does. And in terms of the things finally getting back to to some sort of normality, you recently played the the Priory. Yeah. Uh, for this feeling, you had the the hug and paint gig last month. Yeah. It's probably an obvious question and or possibly get a fairly obvious response, but being back to playing live shows must be pretty exhilarating and a really exciting yeah. time. It's a really strange one for us because uh, like I think the lock is another reason the lockdown helped because we would have, you know, we would have been like when uh, the gig we played before the end of the start of lockdown, it was one of those ones. It was at, it was at Club Sabah, thankfully. So like loads of people just come down to that anyway. But if it was at another venue, it would have been one of those ones where if our parents and our friends weren't there, it would have been dead. Uh, and we sort of almost got to skip that stage where you're begging your friends to come along uh, because of lockdown, and we were just kept on releasing music over lockdown. So coming back and you know we, we played a show of pleasure, I and played a show with Spires, and there's a lot of people in the crowd, but you still don't believe those people are there to see you because you're the sport act. But yeah, playing that hug and pint show and having whatever the capacity is in there, like sold out, uh, coming to see you is it's a quite a weird feeling, and I, I still don't even think it's sunk in yet. So it's another thing that the lockdown kind of amplified a bit. Was it possible at that show that the people had actually had the opportunity to check out your stuff as well? Because I, I guess yeah. that in that whole time where people had more spare time, they were they were maybe checking out a lot of a new bands yeah. and new music. Yeah, of course. Like obviously, gigs do help you grow, but we sort of got to do this kind of gradual growth of each single. And yeah, people are. I know I listen to a lot more music when uh, when I'm just sat at home doing nothing. You know, like when. Like when it turned midnight on a Friday and everyone's releasing music, I'd have everything on. So, yeah, maybe that helped as well. The people were sort of more actively listening to music. Yeah, absolutely. And we've covered a wee bit of the history that the band, the, the debut single, was released a month before lockdown. Yeah. It's obvious that it's not been the case that that's, that's hindered you too much, but was it a wee bit demoralising all the same when you're, you're getting out there and you're, you're trying to make your way and then things yeah. just suddenly grind to a halt. Yeah, I think like it's it's given me like a new love for for live for for playing live gigs because when when we first released fraud, I was so obsessed with the the writing and recording process that to be honest, like not playing gigs for the first few months of lockdown, it wasn't really a didn't really bother me. I saw everyone posting and, and talking about how they can't wait to play a show again, but I was just so obsessed with this like crafting a song and, and making it into like a full four minute a four minute tune, but. As it started to go on and go on, um, you you do really. I, I was kind of I didn't really miss it much because I hadn't really played these sort of proper gigs, um, but I was more like longing for it to to see what it was like. But yeah, if it, if another lockdown started tomorrow, it'd be something I'd miss straight away. I think. Have you got a chance to to go along to a few gigs as a as a punter as well? It's yeah, it was so weird there uh, because I'm trying to think when did was that like that August was it August like when gigs started being allowed again? Was it around that time? Is it? Yeah, it would have been yeah. Yeah, because I think I went, so we played, I so we played with Spires, then we got COVID, and then we played with Pleasureheads, and I was like, fuck, I've been to, I've been to two gigs, and I've not, I've not been to a gig as a punter, but then I went to a bunch uh, the next, next few months after that, but yeah, it was a strange feeling, because I'd, I'd realised that I'd been to like two or three, but uh, I hadn't bought a ticket to any. It feels like there's a, there's a real atmosphere about it as well, there, yeah. there's clearly been a, a hunger and a desire to to get back and and now people are just making the most of, of these occasions 
I, I hope yeah. that it's, it's not something that fades, but in the, the three or four months that we've had since the return of live music, it doesn't seem to be, people's enthusiasm doesn't seem to be waning in any way. Yeah, I was trying to work that out, actually. I thought, do you think that um, it, it's more more intense or it's just that you, you've not you've not seen a gig in ages and you forgot how ballistic Scottish people go? I, th- I think it is more. I, I genuinely yeah. do. The the crowds seem bigger as well. It, it, it yeah. seems like the majority of things are, are sellouts are very near to a sellout. And that's despite the fact yeah. that in terms of I was speaking to the boys from Dictator the other week and they're playing on the 18th of December. I, I looked at the, I'm going to the, the Charlottes that night. There's uh, Shed right. Seven, not, not Shed Seven, uh, Ocean Colour Scene are on at the okay, Barrowlands. Yeah. Uh, memes are on and McCool's as well so oh yeah you've got, you've got so much on in, in one single night uh, and I can't ever remember the schedule being being that busy that you've got the choice of, of four really good gigs in the one night and there's possibly yeah, more there, on that yeah. I'm missing yeah there probably is yeah there was, there was something like that um, the gig we, the night we were playing Velvet were playing as well and they sold out like a venue similar to us and which is like you know you'd think that would has been on the same night might make one of the, the events suffer a bit, but, and they both sell out, and there was something like, uh, that's happened to me before as well, when I was like, fuck, what am I going to go and see tonight, because there's because there's these three or four gigs. I can't remember who they were. I think it was, I, I might end up going to see Sports Team, but there was like that uh, that new guy, the kind of angry Glasgow guy, Doss, who supported us, he was on that night as well, and then there was two others, I can't remember who, but um, yeah, there was that kind of selection as well that I don't remember having. Is that, is that a good thing in terms of there's more opportunities in terms of support slots and potential headline slots as well, because with a, an increase in gigs and an increase in demand, promoters across the country are going to want to fill that demand. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure it is. A, it's, it's hard to pinpoint because there is a lot of, you know, it might be something to do with how diverse and how much growth the Glasgow music scene is seeing as well. Like, you know, it started off, or didn't start off, but there was kind of like that big kind of punk push, wasn't there? And it was like all kind of punk bands. But now it's really evolved and the, with all, all these different facets of kind of different music. And obviously over the year and a half of lockdown, there was no gigs, but uh, that the growth and the development still was happening around Glasgow artists. So I think that's kind of part of it as well. You've kind of got all these, like, you've got like that DOS guy who's, I don't even, there's no way you can put a genre on him, is there? And you're like people like the Ninth Wave and stuff. You've got all these. It's not just options on one night of different good bands. It's like a, an options of options of genre as well. Yeah, that, that's totally right. And it's it's a really exciting time. There's a or, or maybe it's for myself. I, I kind of look at the way that artists and bands are engaging with each other as well. There's yeah. There's none of the the side swiping and the cliques forming that used to be a kind of staple diet of, of the music scene in Scotland. It seems that everyone's backing each other and that's, that's maybe just a, a consequence of of realising that it's a bit of a fickle time and when when things all shut down, everyone needed that wee bit of backing just to keep going. Do you think, do you think that's the case, that, that people are being a bit yeah. more supportive and looking out for yeah, each other? I, I think, like, every music scene, no matter how friendly it is comparatively, is always going to have... Uh, some undertones of maybe jealousy or, um, you know, you know, or superiority even as well. But yeah, the, the Glasgow definitely does seem to be more, it seems to be more based on the music, you know, uh, like it seems to be more, if if there's a band that's doing a similar thing to you and they're doing it really well, uh, we'll be friends type of thing rather than, 
that we see them as our competitor. Um, there's obviously going to be different kind of sections, just depending on the on the genre. And, but yeah, no, I definitely agree with you in that sense. Like, uh, I've heard it's I've heard other other areas are much worse. And you notice some bands coming up from England are a bit taken aback when when you're friendly to them. Um, so they're obviously not used to that. And in turn, it, it seems to be there's been more commercial success as well. It would be almost kind of un, unthinkable that the likes of Mogwai and the Snuts would release an album and it goes straight to, to number one in the UK charts. It's it's good to see yeah. it. It can only help put Scotland on the map in terms of music. Yeah, yeah. You can see the kind of you can. There's like a. I mean, it's just a terrible analogy, but I always remember Conor McGregor talking about how there was never an Irish fighter that you could look at and say, that's what I want to do. But now you've got all these Irish fighters coming up and they're kind of, or they can say, well, Conor McGregor did. And it's kind of like that with, with a bunch of Scottish bands because um, you can see the kind of tiered nature of it, like bands who have been around for a while. Like, not even a while, but like people like, uh, someone like Gallus or something, like getting to play Transmit and they're kind of, you can see that growth happening and it's, it's motivating for bands who have just released their first song. You, you said your analogy was bad. The fact that I had claimed that it was putting Scottish music in the map, it's, it's not the case that it's, <laughs> it's not existing. It's just more the, yeah. the fact that it's uh, been a while. Yeah, it was great because you can see like the same promoters who were putting on uh, the, like, the snaps and tiny venues must have been, what, five, six years ago now, are putting on are putting on like bands like Gallus or bands like Spires now. Um, so it's they're they're sort of channeling this kind of route, and uh, it is possible. If you, you know, it's it's nice having that kind of that band who've made it. Yeah, it's almost a kind of like a production line in a or an academy in a football club or something like that. Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's 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 probably a better analogy than Irish MMA fighters. <laughs> we got there in the end, though. Mm. <laughs> we did. We did. And you're you're covering a lot of topics very relevant to life in Scotland is, is that a, a conscious thing or is it just kind of where it takes yeah. you at the time um, I'm trying to yes uh, there's probably a mixture of both um, I think like some of them I kind of come up with a phrase uh, that I, like, was quite amusing so like the 12 month seasonal depression thing was just probably I just found that quite like a, a nice hook for a song because it's, I suppose, dealing with an issue but making a bit of a joke of it as well, um, which is which I quite liked. I think like a lot of the newer ones, especially ones that are going to be bring out, have less of that kind of ironic kind of like wink. Um, they're more they're more just kind of serious. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say like so like the motivational substances one. I heard like my mate used the term because he was someone suggested going to sub club one night and he was like oh i need some motivational substances to go there which i found quite like a funny euphemism but then the song's nothing to do with that so i, I was more like i i took the sentence and then i suppose it's quite an introspective song that but yeah i'd say like the topic often comes quite naturally uh, about how i'm feeling and then sometimes the the lyrics can be quite deliberate after that because i'm trying to um i'm trying to sort of build a story around this phrase or term and in terms of the the upcoming opportunities we've spoken about, the fact that there's a lot happening and you guys have been very, very active. What are the, the ambitions as we close out 2021 and, and move into 2022 for Pizza Crunch? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because, like, you see, if you'd asked me that a year ago and you told me, like, we'd even support Pleasure Heads or something, like, that would have been, been ridiculous. So it's funny how quickly these ambitions can change and grow. Um, like I really want to 
we're going to work on like a body of music. I don't know whether I call it an EP or like a mini album or something, but I really want to like try and do that and, and show more of like a like a theme rather than sort of one single to the next. And then after that, hopefully, you know, like be able to do the same sellout in a, in a bigger venue. And like I'd love like down the line, it's great that we're working with like the F concert stuff we put on Transmit and it'd be, it'd be great to play a festival like that especially in a sort of hometown type uh, situation or Isle of Wight or something like that. I think like that's where we're looking to now. Just keep growing until we until we get asked to go on one of those bills. That's right. I see that the Connect's back for for 2022 as well. So it is really going to be a time where there's going to be a lot of these festivals. And again, it comes down to the hunger yeah. of the people to, to go along and attend. But Connect... I think it's maybe stopped for, for 10, 11 years now, but... Really? See, I've, I've not heard of that. That's, so it's called, called Connect? Yeah, it was um, it was Inverary, originally. Okay. Now, I've, uh, I'm not 100% sure. I feel like I, I'm always kind of acting as if I'm in the know. Uh, I do know where yeah. this year is. Fuck it, I'm going to risk it. It's the Royal Highland Centre this year. Um, okay, okay. But they've promised top class bands from from across the world to to be playing this. Uh, I don't know what it's going to really kind of be a alternative to. Perhaps transmit. I, I don't know. Uh, it was kind of like that. The year I went, it was the Beastie Boys and. Uh, oh great! Okay. I'm trying to remember who the other the other headliners were. Uh, I'm sure Mogwai played, Idlewild played. It was a, it was absolutely brilliant festival. The Go team, it was, it was a bit diverse, but at the same time, there was enough on it that would drag in a crowd. Um, yeah. So it's all be another kind of option there, and it's, it's another DF event as well. Oh, it's a DF as well. Actually, that's another another opportunity. Yeah, they're doing a lot. It's great how they're involved from like the the grassroots right up to the the top. Like I think that's quite an important important thing because they're aware of all these smaller bands. Yeah, that, that's it. And they, uh, they feel it's kind of becoming easier for these doors to open in terms of opportunities because there was always a... And, and a few of the, the podcasts I've had previously, so I've said that the support of DF and was, it was fantastic, whereas others have said that it can sometimes be a bit difficult to go on bills at the lights of touch and, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. I suppose it's a. I suppose it's a strange one like that. It, it probably might be different for for some people, but um, it's, that's always going to be the case, isn't it? It's always going to be uh, like people bands who favour maybe other promoters or something like that. But um, but yeah, I just it, it's just even even if we weren't getting some some offers from them, I, I do I like the how they're involved through every stage. I would say the gig support inspires there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they, that was a good one because um, that was our first one back, and obviously they've got they've got so much hype behind them, um, uh, and it was just it was just really nice to get that offer because that's something that before the lockdown we would you know we wouldn't have even been in the pipeline for that. Um, so again, just getting the email was a really nice moment because uh, you know they sold, I think they sold it out in a day or something like that. Um, and it, it, yeah, it was just it was really nice to be, be on stage with a band who's got that much kind of that much kind of acclaim right now in, in the Glasgow scene. They can sell it a venue at a snap of their fingers, uh, and it was a good gig as well. Like the, the, you know, people weren't prancing around like they were at the Hagen Pint, but 
like a lot of people came up after and were and were like very complimentary and stuff and you know I think that's kind of more important than doing your own gig sometimes because how many how many new fans did we get at the Hug and Pine probably not that many but uh, you know going and playing a support style of a band who's doing that well um, it probably helped us out quite a lot yeah and I guess that that also kind of helps build that that relationship and something that yeah. can maybe be useful going forward when it seems that they're the only way is up for them in terms of yeah, they'll be yeah, playing bigger sure. venues across the country and as you say there's a that great deal of hype behind them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a great thing just meeting just meeting new people and stuff as well, considering we've not been able to do it for the whole time. Um but yeah, it felt quite surreal that one. The, the King Tax is quite a we it's a strange venue as well because you're you're walking up and it would be very difficult to not find one of your favourite bands named on the steps. Um it's 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 just it's just mental to think who's played there before. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a, a famous stage, and yeah, you're right. There's there's almost a kind of bit to it that if it's completely full, you're going to actually struggle to see the stage at some parts. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how they allow 350 tickets to be sold for there. Yeah, I suppose that kind of helps make it that wee bit more special sometimes. Yeah, there? yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I mean, like I went to see Sam Fender when he was. Uh, sort of in the middle like before the album in the middle sort of coming up and people were having to like watch it on the wee sort of telly thing round at the bar because it was that packed like I was like that shouldn't be allowed you shouldn't be forking out a ticket to see that yeah they had their anniversary uh, run of shows I think it must have been their 20th anniversary and the Manix played Um, and I made the mistake of going to the bar which is obviously right up the back where you couldn't see there's no chance you'll see uh, and there was no chance I could get back anywhere close to being able to see for the rest so of it. So you were just, uh, just listening, were you? Yeah, I, a few times I climbed up in the wee kind of shelf oh, bit. Uh, 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 just so I could get a glimpse, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see a great deal of that night. <laughs> At this point of the podcast, what I tend to do is just ask you to recommend a couple of Scottish bands or, or artists that the listeners may or may not have heard of. Okay, um, okay. Let's both show this how well a, prepared you are. I know, it's just putting me on the spot. Uh, so I've already mentioned them, but um, I see I'm trying not to mention people that people are going to know, you know. But like, I've got to say Doss. Have you listened to Doss? Yes, I have. Yep. Yeah, so I love him. Uh, it's something really unique as well, which I'm loving. Um, I really like, you know what, I was... I, I'm not trying to slag him off or anything, but I was never like the. I never really listened to him before Parley Ammo. I was never like the, the biggest fan of their tunes before, but I think that new kind of mini album thing they've done is great. Um, I like how they've used the samples and stuff. Have you listened to that? It's very funny he says, <laughs> excuse me. It's very funny you should say that because they are the guest following yourself. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, so like they were always just like like a band that were kicking about that I thought were like they, they were doing well and stuff, but they were never really. Never really my thing, I guess you could say. And then they've got this—I uh, don't know—I don't know what happened. Like it's just incredible that it's like a mini album type thing they've done, isn't it? Um, and it's just so creative. I think the lyrics are hilarious as well. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend everyone go listen to that. I think it's good to listen to that in order as well because like seven songs and they've clearly thought a lot about what kind of order it's in. Um, try to think who else. Like I really like the kind of—I like the Stony Max. Yeah, I think they're very good. Um, Big fan of Pleasureheads, obviously. Oh, I've got actually one that like people won't have heard of, which you should listen to. Um, there's a band from Inverness called The Dazed Digital Age. Um, 
I don't know how you'd go describing it. It's kind of like, um, you know, like working men's club, that type of thing. Uh, kind of big, like electro drum beats, uh, but they're like really cool and uh, they're pretty, pretty small as well. So go and give them a listen. Thanks for that. And continuing with the, the generic questions, is there anything that is in the, the pipeline coming up that you would like to, to plug or promote? And, and where can people find your music online and follow you on social media? Yeah, so um, the, not really anything I want to plug, to be honest. We've got like two gigs coming up this weekend, uh, but like uh, just to release a song called Motivational Substances. Uh, we're called Pizza Crunch. There's no one else called that on Spotify, so if you type in that, we'll be we'll be at the top. Uh, Pizza Crunch music, I believe, on social media. Uh, and yeah, just look out for us next year. There'll be I think there'll be even more releases next year. So yeah. yeah thanks very much for coming on tonight. It's been a pleasure chatting to you, and I'd like to wish you and the guys all the best going forward. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. It'll be good to good to see you sort of at a gig or something at some point. What here? What's your name? Andy, sorry. <laughs> Andy, so I was just I was expecting to see it when it came up on the screen and I just saw Scottish Indy and I was like, no, I'll need to ask that, it, Andy. There's been a few times when I've went on work calls from the, the podcast account. So eventually what I did is I thought I better actually just go for a separate Zoom accounts to avoid any yeah, confusion. Yeah. Um, I've done I've done that before with my because like our YouTube account is connected to my Gmail. So I, I realized I was like emailing people for like six months, like for work and stuff with Pizza Crunch at gmail.com so it, I guess in that, that and I, I don't know why yeah I know I know I, yeah I, well I thought people would find it but no one told me I noticed it myself so I obviously didn't come across too badly there's that kind of element of being called the Scottish Indie podcast as well that people can sometimes get confused as to what it means uh, yeah, as well yeah. so <laughs> I've, I've yet to have any battles with uh, furious Tories but I'm sure the day will come <laughs> oh yeah yeah, I know that day will come. I'm sure. Thanks again, mate. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you too, Andy. Thanks very much, mate. You've been listening to the Scottish Indie Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight's time. Until then, thank you and goodbye.
from what's done what a fab 